But listen, I, I was hoping that I would get like a furry robe, maybe Eye of the Tiger playing the cool lights from earlier, and they said no. So this is all you're getting. But this week is our final week of our series, Throwing Shade. Has anybody enjoyed this series? I mean, for me, it's been incredibly convicting, but also super helpful, very, very practical. And so this morning, it's an honor to be able to come and kind of wrap this series up week three. Two weeks ago, we talked about there's all kinds of punches that we throw at one another, isn't there? All kinds of verbal things that we say, whether it's sarcasm, these quick jabs that we give to one another. Sometimes it's out of anger. We like wind up for the knockout blow. And sometimes it's all kinds of ways that we say things or tweet things or text things that are harmful and hurtful to people around us. This is throwing punches. And whoever said that that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a big fat liar, right? Because words do hurt. There are ways that we can use our words because they're so powerful to build people up or to tear them down. And so this series, we began by saying we need to, one, be able to identify what these punches look like so we can see them when they're coming and also so we can know when we're throwing them. Secondly, last week we talked about every one of these punches come from someplace. In fact, the Bible says it's out of the overflow of the heart that the what? Mouth speaks. So the things that we say, they don't just happen. They come from somewhere. It comes from a deep within us. And so for a lot of us, we throw this shade, we throw these punches because there's pain somewhere deep inside. Maybe it's from guilt or some kind of mistake or failure or some other kind of thing that we have from our past that we carry with us everywhere we go. And we find ourselves speaking and, and throwing punches in some kind of way. We have to allow Jesus to come into our life and do the work that only he can do to heal us from the inside so that we can take the gloves off and we can get out of the ring. Now today, what I want to talk about, we've said here are what the punches look like. Here's why we throw them. The question today is how do we handle it then when people throw punches at us? Because if you're a human being in the room, if you're a human being, raise your hand. Good job. I see you only are a lion. It's very easy to see. But if you're a human being, you exist within relationship with other people. What that means is you will always experience some kind of hurt and pain by the things that are said. We will always say things from time to time that will be hurtful or harmful towards people around us. This is the nature of being in relationship with one another. So how do we handle it then? As a kid, one of my favorite games growing up on the original Nintendo was a game called Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Anybody else? Come on. Loud and proud, people. This is a good game. If you haven't played it, you've been missing out on a major piece of history. This particular game, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, you played as Little Mac, and you would go through all these different levels and scenarios. You'd fight all these different people like King Hippo and, and um, others that I can't think of right now, but I'm sure are really cool, Don Flamenco and others. And you would fight through these different levels, and, and the hard part was not necessarily learning how to throw punches because it was really actually not that easy to knock somebody out as Little Mac. The hardest part was figuring out how to make sure the punches that were thrown at you didn't land on you. So you had to go this way or that way or, or avoid a punch. And especially when you got to the end and you faced the Iron Mike himself, if he hit you one time, boom, you were done. So you had to learn how to defend yourself. In fact, in that game, a good offense was actually a good defense. That was the best way to learn. So a couple weeks ago, what I did is I went downtown to Battle Boxing Gym in downtown Columbia and spent time figuring out what does it look like to take a punch well. So check this out. So we're downtown today with Kevin Brown at Battle Boxing Gym, and we're finding out what's it like taking a punch. Kevin, it's good to be with you. Thanks for letting us come. Yes, sir. So, Kevin, if I'm going to start boxing, I've never really boxed before. I don't know anything about boxing. But if I was going to get in the ring with somebody, what do I have to work on right away to be able to take a punch? Yeah, cardio and conditioning is the key in everything. 
We don't let anybody start getting hit until they get their breathing under control a little bit. So once your cardio and conditioning is relatively good, we start the training process. That way you don't lose your hands from your face and your stomach. So the longer like the fight goes, the hands come the down. The hands come down, guys up. start wearing down, and, and then they lose their fundamentals. Glue them to your cheeks, and I'm yep. gonna hit you with a jab and a right hand. Softly. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the glove on my cheek, but you yeah. that, that's the glove you're gonna punch? Yes, sir. So you're pretty much punching my cheek? Yeah, it's not gonna hurt. So alright, you ready? What do I have to protect? Like what's the most vital thing for me to make yeah. sure it's protected? Jaw and equilibrium area. Kidney and liver. So you, have, you don't wanna get hit in your jaw, you don't wanna get hit between your eyes and your ears, and you don't wanna get hit on the back side of your stomach, because that's where your kidney and liver. So I've seen people in the, in the ring get yeah. here multiple times. Yeah. But here it's just it's crazy. Yeah. There you go. Do it again, yeah. Now we're gonna go to your right side. Yeah. That's perfect. That's how you block the body shot. They block the body shot. <laughs> so, uh, if uh, somebody's boxing in the ring, what are, what are the mistakes they most likely make when it comes to defending themselves? Yeah, a lot of guys come in, they don't know a lot about boxing, they think they want to box with their hands down to their chest. Trying to get them to keep their hands up. Mm. As you get tired, your hands drop, but the brain tells them they're right here. So they really don't know. It's just getting the muscle memory to stay solid, elbows in. That's the hardest part at first. Go. Good. Do it again. Do it one more time, but a little bit faster. There you go. So, Kevin, when it comes to boxing, what's more important? Is it being able to swing or is it being able to defend? If you have good defense, you can turn an average guy into a decent boxer. You think you can turn me into a good boxer? I sure can. Alright, punch? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's not gonna hurt. So, right. a jab, and then a jab right. No, dip. Good. If I hit hard, you just roll your hand. Dip. No, we're gonna dip. Jab right. Oh, there you go. Good. Good. Nice. Beautiful. Do it again. Alright, there we go. That's how you're throwing up. We're kind of sweating, though. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be sweating. All right, so I <laughs> know you're impressed. Don't be, don't be. Today we're talking about defense. And when it comes down to it, to be able to exist in a relationship with other people, and as a core value of our church, we believe that we are better together. And so to be able to exist better together, one of the things we have to understand is how to defend ourselves when it comes to the, th the shade that's thrown. The things that are said, the gossip that happens, the sarcasm, the knockout punch, all of these things. We have to understand how to handle this. Because the truth is, if we live long enough, we'll find out that there are some people in our life who are looking for a fight because they're not in one. Does that make sense? There are going to be some people, no matter what you do, someone's looking for a fight just because they're not in one. And so you're going to find yourself in situations where we have to know how to handle the things that are happening to us. What I found out very quickly is that someone who's a boxer does a whole lot of work before they ever step into the ring. Because once you get into the ring, it's a whole different scenario, believe me, than you thought it would be before you got into the ring. All kinds of training that goes on to be able to be prepared for all these things. The first thing that Kevin told me was, the first thing I have to learn is how to not shy away from a swing that it happens to me. I'm like, okay, good. He said, every person, when you get swung on, the first thing you want to do is react in some kind of way. He says, the first thing you have to do is you can't react. You just got to expect it. If we are going to live this life, we have to expect that even the people that we love the most, there's going to be some kind of pain and harm that happens by the things that are stead. And one of the things that I think is the biggest problem in this room, more than likely, if you're anything like me, is that fundamentally, 
One of the reasons that we are devastated by things that are said to us, about us, alluded at us, the reason we're devastated is because we have not done the hard work of preparing ourselves from the things that we will experience. We just aren't. We're too busy eating Cheetos and watching Netflix. We're trying to make as much money as we possibly can or going to every game that our kid, every sport they can possibly play all year long. We don't take time to realize our life is not just physical. Our life is spiritual. And there are some things that we need to do to prepare ourselves when we find ourselves in the ring of life. We just have to be prepared. And so I want to introduce this morning, very simply, four different tactics that I think that we can learn that we can train in and implement so that we can live a life that we know how to defend when things happen to us. Because Jesus said this, in this life, you will have trouble. You can count on it. In this life, you will have trouble. But Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. So the first tactic we can implement in our life is actually the thing that we don't want to do when things get swung at us, and it's this, to not retaliate. Don't retaliate. For the most part, when someone's going to throw shade, when someone's going to say something or allude to something or gossip about something, they're actually looking for some kind of response. They want some kind of retaliation. They want a swing thrown back. They love the escalation because it fuels the fire to say even more. I have a younger sister. She's three years younger than me. Anybody else, an older sibling in the room? How many of you know that younger siblings love this? When I was a kid, my sister like lived for the day and I can see her in the house right now. She's like, actually, you did it too, which is true. But anyways, for today and right now, she was the younger sibling. So I had friends over the house. We'd be on vacation somewhere. She was just bored. She would decide she would try to say something to try to get my feathers ruffled, to grind my gears and get me fired up. And so what I would do every single time is I would fire back as hard as I could. And I wanted like shock and awe. So I would go as hard and as high as I could thinking that she would quit. But guess what? She never would. Anybody else in the room? This is, if you're a younger sibling, you did this to us. So I would try as hard as I could to get her to quit. Finally, my parents would tell me when I was young, listen, stop responding. Stop responding back. It's what she wants. And if you stop, she will stop. If you stop giving her what she's looking for, she won't do it anymore. And guess what? They were right. She eventually got tired of doing this because I didn't want to respond in any kind of way. How many in the room know this morning that when shade is thrown, when things are said, too often they're trying to get under our skin. That's the whole point, to make us squirm. Sometimes it's said, sometimes it's texted, sometimes it's tweeted, but the goal of the verbal punch is to get you to punch in return and return the favor. And the problem is, this is the first thing we have to learn, how to not retaliate. Don't respond. And for some of us, we love it. We're like, somebody says, oh yeah, oh yeah, and you want to start the fight? Don't do it. Don't do it. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 4. This book is full of wisdom when it comes to relating to people in relationship. It says this in Proverbs 26, verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like them. Don't retaliate. Don't answer the fool in their folly, because if you do, you're going to end up just like them. So don't respond. Now, this is a really interesting passage because in the Hebrew, the word fool here, whether it's KJV or NIV, all of them is translated as fool, and it literally means the stupid fellow. So when this fellow comes along and wants to say something, it's silly. It's ridiculous. It's unfounded. The thing that's being said is something you should not respond to because if you do, you will find yourself stooping to the very level that they just set. And you yourself becomes a fool. 
And so this is not easy because sometimes when someone says something, we want to fire right back. But if we're slowing ourselves down enough to realize this comment is not worth responding to. This comment is so silly. It's so ridiculous. It's so foolish that for me to respond to it is more energy than I should give to it. It would be a mistake. Here's the truth. Some people should not have social media platforms. And you laugh because it's you. Some people shouldn't have social media platforms because what they do is they use it in the wrong kind of way. These are meant to share and connect, but too many use it to share and correct other people around them. And they love to put things out on there, whether you're a school teacher or a politician, whether you're a doctor or a president, whether you're a high schooler or more seasoned folks in the room, we can use this platform to cause all kinds of problems with people around us. And the problem is when we respond, this is not the venue for it. Can I get an amen? amen? This is not the venue for it. 40 characters is not gonna resolve some kind of issue. It's just not. And so potentially your two cents is not gonna help a thing. So sometimes people who are throwing shade, when they throw it at us, the first thing we need to do is be quiet. Quit responding. Don't retaliate. Sometimes it's exactly what they're looking for. But the thing that's being said is so silly, it does not warrant a response. Instead, we have to absorb those blows and just keep going. Take a licking and keep on ticking. This is what we have to learn. In fact, Muhammad Ali had a boxing technique that he made famous in 1974 in the Rumble in the Jungle against George Foreman. What Ali would do is he would get to the very edge of the corner in the ring. He, was, he would hang on that rope. And when George Foreman would punch him, when he would hang on that rope, that rope would actually absorb all of the energy from that punch. And so they would land, and they would land, and they would land, but Ali would have all that energy go through his body right into that rope, and it would, it would not wear him out. Instead, George Foreman would wear himself out by continuing to throw punches. One of the things that we have to realize is that if we don't respond, if we allow those punches to be absorbed because they're just silly, they're ridiculous, they mean nothing, that person eventually will tire out of throwing those punches because you don't respond, and it's absorbed. Here's how it happens. When we are individuals, let me rephrase this, if... We are individuals who are grounded in our position before God. We know who we are. If we are grounded in the truth of Scripture, we know what the Bible says. If we are maturing in our faith, if we can lean on the spiritual depth that we have done the hard work of previously to grow into, then we can absorb the punches that get thrown at us and keep on moving. So when we hear things like, you will never amount to anything, we know that is not true because the Bible tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we hear things like, you will never be loved by anybody. We know that's not true because God demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus to die on the cross. And we hear things like, you, you've made too many mistakes. There's no coming back from this one. This is like the final one. We know that's not true either because we, there is no condemnation for us who are found in Christ. Any mistake can be redeemed by Jesus. This is what he does. And if we are grounded enough, then when these things come at us, they don't hurt us one bit. We absorb them and we keep on moving. If we can master this one thing, not retaliating when things get thrown at us, then I believe we're well on our way to living a life better together with people around us. When they don't get the desired response from us, from the things they're saying, guess what? They'll move on. Number two, another way we can fight this fight and defend ourselves is actually by considering the source Where's this coming from? Considering the source of the thing that's being said or alluded to or gossiped about. 
What's interesting in Proverbs chapter 26, verse four says what? Do not answer the fool. But verse five, the very next verse is a direct contradiction to verse four. Because verse five says this, answer a fool according to his folly or he will be wise in his own eyes. Verse four, do not respond, do not retaliate. Don't answer the fool, it's silly, it's ridiculous, it's not worth your time. But verse five says, answer the fool. Otherwise, he'll be wise in his own eyes. So here's the question, which one do you do? Do you answer the fool or do you not answer the fool? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes. Because sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Now, I would love for this to be way easier than this and just be like, hey, if you follow this diagram here and you go here, then you answer. If you follow it here and does this, then you answer this. That's not what God's given us. What God has given us is the ability by his Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of us to discern the difference on when we should respond and when we should not respond. Now, the reason verse five says you should respond to the fools because otherwise they will be wise in their own eyes. This is not just for you. You don't just consider the source because you're offended. You consider the source because it's also helpful for the person who's spreading this particular stuff. But it's discernment. How many know in the room you can't trust your hearts? I mean, emotions always gets the, I mean, if we're honest, when someone says something, I'm ready to fight like right now. Like I can go to zero to 100 real quick. My emotions get a hold of me. You can't trust those. You can't trust your heart in the situation. What you have to trust is the spirit of God within you as a follower of Jesus. What should I do about this thing that's been said? God, you lead me. Because if I lead myself, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. You help me discern. Do I answer this fool or do I not? Do I say something here or do I not? Because sometimes it's silly, but sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's ridiculous and sometimes it's a problem and it's harmful. There are some things that are said about us that's so harmful, so damaging, that we have to respond, otherwise that person will be wise in their own eyes, meaning that what they believe, they believe it continues to be true. A couple years ago, I was working in my office here at the church. I was just out of college, and I got a phone call from somebody, and this is a person that I'd met like once. I didn't really know them. I wasn't really associated with them, but I got a phone call, and this person basically on the phone said, hey, listen, I've heard this thing, and basically accused me of some really heinous stuff. Some really, really awful stuff. Unfounded, un, un, uh, totally not true. But just raked me over the coals for like 15 minutes on the phone and basically said, I've talked to multiple people that you're connected with. I've talked to your father. I've talked to your mentor, all these things. And you need to, you need to make this right. And I was, I was so caught off guard. I didn't know how to respond. So I hung up the phone and I was like, first of all, you don't know me. You don't know anything about me. Number two, this is absolutely not true. And so I had no idea how to respond. I was like really worked up about it. I mean, I was like, I was crushed to be honest with you. Um, and so I, I was trying to figure out what to do. So I, I said, God, you need to help me here because I'm not sure how, to, I've never walked this territory before. I've never had something said about me like this or to me like this or to other people like this. So God, you help me figure out what to do. And actually I went to my mentor and I said, hey, listen, I'm not sure how to handle this. Do I need to respond to this or, or do I just need to let it go? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what to do. And basically in talking with my mentor and spending time talking to God, I felt like this was something that was serious enough that it needed to be dealt with and needed to be talked about. So I was advised to call the person. So I, I did, I called them back. And I wish I would have been awesome and it was like not. So the conversation didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, but I felt like I at least kind of set things straight and said, listen, this is what's true. I'm not sure where you've heard this or where this has come from, but here's the, here's the truth about this thing and you just need to know this. So we hung up the phone and it was, it was fine, but I felt like I at least got to speak my piece. But a month later, I received a letter that came to my box here at the church. It was a handwritten letter and it was a written apology 
from this individual. Saying I'm sorry for the things that I said. It was out of frustration. It was out of jealousy and different kinds of things. And I just want to say I'm sorry about that. And it wasn't even really about the letter. I didn't need that. What it was for me was an exercise in being able to discern when to not say something and when to say something. Because sometimes things need to be addressed. There's a couple questions you gotta ask. Number one, is this person who's saying this thing, do we have the kind of relationship that I can go and say, listen, why would you say this? Why would you do this? Why would you, why would you breach our trust together? Is this person someone that if I respond to them, they're actually gonna grow from this? It's gonna be helpful for them. If so, maybe I need to say something. Is this thing that's being said, if it's left unchecked, will they continue to believe it to be true and will it be damaging to them because they believe that? Maybe it needs to be addressed. Because sometimes the slander, the defamation, the gossip that comes out, it's so harmful that something must be done. But there's a couple questions we have to ask. Number one, why am I wanting to respond? What's my motive? Am I, am I just wanting to trade punches? Am I wanting to even the score? I want, am I wanting to punch them back or am I trying to restore relationship and make things right? Why am I wanting to have this conversation? The other thing is, talk to the source, not the 13 other people along the way as you get to the source. It's none of their business. This is between you and this person. So as hard as it might be, as daunting as it might be, have a face-to-face -face conversation. Why? Why is this said? And be open to learn yourself. I got a manila envelope years ago, also at the church, um, that came to me, and uh, there's 10 pages in this manila envelope uh, critiquing certain things about the way that I, I preach or dress here at the church when I was an intern. And I remember getting this letter and going to Jeff and being so mad. You think I know everything. And I'll never forget what Jeff Kersey said to me. He said, listen, you need to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Like whatever's there that can help you grow and learn, you need to hear that. But whatever's not gonna be helpful, you need to let that, let that stuff go. That's gotta become something that you just kind of put in the back and you keep moving forward. That's helpful information. So for some of us, we need to learn what's it like to discern by the spirit of God in our life, is this something I should say something about or is this something I should just let go because it's silly and ridiculous and I need to move on. The third thing, the third way that we can respond to punches that are thrown at us or towards us is actually to get out of the ring. Get out of the ring. There are some relationships that we find ourselves in that are so toxic. Some situations that are so lethal that if we don't take the gloves off and get out of the ring, there's gonna be serious problems going forward. I think one of the biggest glaring problems that we have in the big C church, the worldwide church, is that we have a lack of boundaries when it comes to the way that we exist in relationship to one another. Sometimes we allow people just to walk all over us. And what if the beating that you take every single day doesn't have to be like that? What if you could say, enough's enough, I'm removing myself from this situation, I'm not gonna let it go on any longer. For you students who are starting school this fall, if you leave that lunch table and you know you're gonna be talked about, you need to find a new lunch table. People who are gonna be having your back, not talking bad about you. Maybe for some of us, we need to realize that the people that we surround ourselves with, they have nothing but negative things to say about us. Find some people who will build you up, not tear you down. This is a choice that you can make. This is a boundary that you can set for yourself. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says this. The wise writer says, walk with the wise and become what? Wise. For a companion of fool suffers harm. Here's a good question to ask yourself. If you were to look at the relationships that you exist within right now, the people that surround you, are they making you better or bitter? 
Are those people making you a better version of yourself? Do you make better decisions because of the people that you've surrounded yourself with? If you have, you're walking with the wise. If you don't have those kinds of relationships, you're a companion of fools. And if you're not careful, you're going to follow these people into a place that you would never, ever want to be. So I want to say sometimes you need to unfriend somebody. You've got to unfollow somebody. It may have nothing to do with them. It may have everything to do with you and the way you handle what's being said. Maybe you need to not answer that phone call. Maybe you need to not go to those places anymore because you know it's not healthy for me. This is not weakness. This is wisdom. Who are you walking with? Who are you doing life with? Are they people that are wise, helping you become wise? Or are you just a companion of fools? In eighth grade, I'd moved to Texas and I'd made all new friendships in eighth grade. And it's the worst year of my life, to be honest with you. And as an eighth grader, I had created a lot of friendships that were not good for me. A lot of people I spent time with were not the kind of friends that I really should have had. And I knew that in my head, in my heart, but I had not made a decision about it. I don't know what, where the maturity came from because I was not a mature middle school student. But as an eighth grader, I realized that going into my freshman year of high school, if I didn't change some things here, if I didn't evaluate the friendships I had, I was gonna lead myself into a place that I did not want to be. And so sure enough, into my eighth grade year, I basically said, guys, I love you. It's been great. Actually, it's not. And we can't hang out the way we've been hanging out anymore. Like, I'll see you at school. We'll play on the football team together and stuff. I'm not gonna be at your house doing the things that I've been doing this whole past year. I can't do it anymore. And so I went into my freshman year of high school with one friend. And his name was Jeff Dole. And Jeff Dole's family was a part of the missions organization my parents were a part of. And so he's my only friend going into my freshman year, the only one I could really rely on and count on. And I found him on Facebook just this past week and I wrote him, I said, Jeff, I just want you to know I'm so thankful for your friendship. When we were freshmen in high school, I never would have made it aside from you. I just wouldn't have. I would, have, I would have been a mess if it wasn't for your friendship. So I want to thank you for that. And so as a freshman in high school, Jeff Dahl and I, we started a band. We were terrible. We had three other guys that were in the band. And we played like school talent shows, if you want to call it talent and whatever. And we did these different things. But these, these guys, these four guys were people that loved Jesus. These were guys who did the right things. These were guys who said they believed in me and who wanted the best for me. And I began to find out that I had been a companion of fools for so long, I didn't know what it was like to walk with the wise. But in doing so, I became wise myself. This is something that some of us this morning need to hear. You need to set some boundaries. It's time to say, I'm gonna get out of the ring altogether because this fight is not a fair fight. And I'm gonna lose if I stay here. And here's the truth. This is not just for you. You don't get out of the ring just for you because if you get out of the ring, potentially that person that was throwing the punches, they're gonna find somebody else to punch. But if that person says enough's enough, I'm getting out of the ring too, I'm setting some boundaries, that person will find someone else to punch. And eventually there's nobody else to punch. And hopefully that person stands in the middle of the ring and looks around and says, hey, I'm all by myself. Maybe I'm the common denominator of all these relationships that have fallen apart. Maybe it's time for something to change in me. Maybe it's time for God to do something within me. It's for you, but it's also for them to be able to wake up to what's true. Lastly, but I would probably argue most importantly, the way to defend ourselves is actually to make sure that we get a good corner man. Muhammad Ali had Drew Bundini Brown. Mike Tyson had Constantine Cus Diamato. George Foreman had Angelo Dundee. These are all famous trainers who were in the corners of some of the best fighters in history. And I would argue that those fighters would not have been the fighters they were aside from these people who were in their corner. 
You see, a corner man is somebody that's wiping the blood from your face when you just got punched. The corner man is the one giving you water when you're thirsty, giving you pointers to keep you in the fight. That's what this entire series is about. We believe as a church that we are better together. In fact, I would, I would argue that any person in this room who tries to do life alone, you'll never make it. We need one another. We need people who are in our corner to help us. We need people who won't judge us when we ugly cry because things are hard. We need people who show up at the hospital and who bring the casserole because we're sick. We need people who help us raise our kids and people who will tell us when there's food in our teeth, those kinds of friends. We need a corner man, someone who's there for us. Proverbs 27, six says it this way, one of my favorite passages in all scripture. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. All throughout our life, we will experience wounds of all kinds. As we've talked about, some of these wounds are gonna come from harsh words, things that are said in order to hurt us in some kind of way. That's some wounds, but there are other wounds that we actually experience along the way that are good. These wounds come from friends who care about us enough to say the hard thing. These wounds come from friends who want the best for us, have our best interest in mind, not their agenda, not the thing they want, but actually what's best for you. So they're willing to say the stuff. I've heard someone say one time that a good friend stabs you in the front. They're willing to say the thing that nobody else is willing to say. They're willing to bring something up even though it might be awkward for the friendship, it's gonna be better in the long run. They're willing to do that. Nick Cunningham has been my best friend since junior year of high school. And we went to high school together, played football together, went to CIU together. We lived in a blue house right across town together when we first graduated from college. And I'll never forget, there was one night where we came back from Columbia and we were at the house and we were hanging out and stuff. And he came and he said, hey, can you come on the back porch? I wanna to talk to you about something. I'm like, yeah, sure. So we went on the back porch and we had this conversation. And there were certain things in my life that I had been keeping hidden from everybody. I thought nobody knew about it. I was just kind of doing my own thing and I, I was really leading a double life. And so we went on the back porch and he said, hey, listen, um, I know what's been going on. You can't live like this anymore. I was like, I know, it's funny. He said, no, you, listen, you need to listen to me. You can't live like this anymore. Like, it's time to make some changes. It's time to do something different. You can't, you can't do this anymore. And I'll be honest with you, it was one of the most painful experiences of my life. It was awful. But at the same time, it was one of the best experiences of my life because I would not be the pastor, the husband, the father, the person that I am today, aside from Nick Cunningham being in my corner, willing to wipe the blood, give me some water, tell me something I didn't really want to hear, knowing it was the best thing for me. Because here's the truth. Some of us in this room, you've had people who've tried to love on you, who've tried to say certain things to you, and you've gotten so uptight because you're like, it's none of your business. Stay out of, stay out of my business. And the truth is, these are wounds that come from a friend. You've missed the whole point. Wounds from a friend can be trusted because it's, it's for your best interest. This critique, this sound advice, don't push it off, but see it as an opportunity of grace and mercy given to you by God, by the people that you've surrounded yourself with that are good. So when that person comes and listen, I'm concerned about your drinking habits. I'm concerned about the way you speak to people. It just seems so harsh. I don't think you're being truthful with me. I'm worried because I feel like you've changed somehow. Can I help in some kind of way? Don't, don't push that off. Because the only way a corner man actually works in your life is you have to practice humility. Maybe your corner man has a different angle, a different vantage point. They see something that you don't see right now. Allow them to speak that to you. 
take that knowing that this is a wound from a friend that's gonna do nothing but good for you. It's gonna help you in some kind of way. And if you find yourself this morning looking around being like, I'm in the ring all by myself. I've got nobody who cares about me. Nobody's looking out for my blind spots. Nobody wiping the blood. Nobody there when things are going down. Then I wanna encourage you this morning because this is a church that believes that we are better together. We've made every opportunity that we possibly can for you to have some kind of community and people who are in your corner. After this service, there are some tables right behind the auditorium right here. We have 20 brand new small groups that are launching this fall. And I would encourage you to prayerfully consider to discern if this is the right thing for you to get involved in some kind of community. And you might be like, I don't know anybody. Welcome to the club. Nobody else does either. These are brand new groups. And it's a brand new start maybe for somebody in this room who's looking for people that are gonna lift them up and push them forward and send them out. This is a great way to do this. And as you walk through those tables, there's all kinds of opportunities. And you're like, oh, I'm a young adult. There's nothing for me. Not true. There is. I'm a seasoned individual. Nothing there for me. Yes, there is. There's some groups for every kind of stage of life. And if you don't see what you're looking for, you can go online and fill out a survey and we'll find something for you to create an opportunity to have meaningful relationships and grow in some kind of way. It's the fall. Things are all new. This would be a great chance to do this. And I'd encourage you to at least consider it this morning. So here's what's certain. You're always gonna find yourself being swung at. It's gonna happen. And you'll always find yourself from time to time swinging at other people as well. The question is, are we going to be the kind of people who are willing to defend ourselves, to get out of the ring potentially, to maybe say something or maybe actually to not say something? Are we going to be people who are willing to say, I need somebody in my corner looking out for me, otherwise I'm never going to make it. This, this is how we live better together. This is what I believe Jesus wants for us. Would you close your eyes and bow your head just for 15 seconds? I want to encourage you. Maybe think back through all we've talked about today and open your hearts to what God might be leading you to do. Just for 15 seconds, just spend some time thinking. your eyes closed, if you feel like God is pointing at something in your heart and he's telling you, you need to quit responding. It's time to stop with the back and forth. It's time to be quiet and move forward. Would you ask God to help you do that thing? Maybe there's a situation and you know God's saying, something has to be said here. This thing's so unhelpful. It's so harmful. It's so damaging. Someone needs to address it. If you feel like God's calling you to be that person, would you ask him to give you the grace and the courage and the boldness to have some kind of conversation to restore relationship? Would you ask him to do that now? Maybe this morning it's become obvious to you that it's time to get out of the ring, to take the gloves off, to set some kind of boundaries. Would you ask God to help you by his Holy Spirit to discern how to do that and when to do that, how to have those tough conversations? Would you ask him to help you now?
Or maybe this morning, God's showing you, you need some corner men, some corner women, some people who are gonna be there for you to wipe the blood, to give you water, to help keep you in the fight day in and day out. Would you ask God to bring people into your life who will help you walk with the wise and not be a companion of fool? Maybe even this morning, God wants you to have the courage to step out in faith to become a part of some kind of community group, some kind of small group. Would you ask him to help you to discern that today? God, it's been good to be in this place this morning, to be in your presence, to be with one another. But as we walk out these doors, God, it's real life again. And so God, I pray that you'd help us to leave this place dedicated to living the kind of life that's better together with those around us. Help us to be dedicated to defending ourselves, Father, from not throwing more punches and causing more harm, but instead of stepping back and saying, enough's enough. There's a better way to do this. There's a better way to live. So God, would you guide us and direct us? We need you and we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.